Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino series. On this episode, we talk with author and storyteller of the strange and unusual Vicki Ann Bush. For as long as she can remember, the paranormal has been a part of her life. Since she was a child, she has had experiences with sight, sound, and touch from the other side of the veil. Originally from New York, she's been living her author adventure in Nevada for the past 38 years. It's a great story. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. <laughs> good. Great to meet you. Thanks for taking a minute today. Oh, thank you for having me on. It, I love doing radio. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Time, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into your life and, you know, as a storyteller, I want to know, you know, speaking of, you know, being a storyteller of the strange and unusual, I think that's probably the best way to describe the last couple of years. It's like the Twilight episode that got the snow globe turned upside down and shaken violently. And I'm wondering how you did over this time. What, how did you change? What revelations did you come to throughout this pretty gripping time on planet Earth? You know, I think for, for me, it just kind of let me let go of things. Things that I thought maybe were so important that you have to be so perfect at doing things or acquiring things. And it made me realize that the simplicity, there's beauty in it. There's beauty in the simplicity. Honestly, there were days here in Vegas when everything shut down and they were showing the strip and there was literally nobody, nobody walking around, nobody up there. And yet there were animals coming in, you know, and you'd see them in the street a little bit. And to me, that was so, it changed, it just changed my, my, my way of thinking. It just made me feel like more of a connection, even more so. I've always felt connection with nature, but it made me feel even more so connected. And it made me realize that if we could just quiet things just a little bit, just let go of a little bit, just calm down a little bit, that we could save what we're losing. I 100% agree. And and I think that the other thing that's been very interesting about this time is, aside from the virus, which kind of slowed everything down and threw a, a, a whole different light on things, it really brought to light a whole lot of other things, like with the George, George Floyd incident and all these other things. I think there's things that we've been moving so fast as the human race that we've almost kind of bypassed certain things that we haven't had the chance to slow down and really analyze, inspect, and heal. I think we've become numb to it, too. I think that because it's gotten so prevalent that it's it's more of a, oh, what happened now? Or who did this happen to now? It's not, it doesn't have the shock value that it should have. It doesn't have the emotion well, I shouldn't say it doesn't. I'm saying it didn't. I think now we're slowly starting to realize what's going on in, in our world, in our country. But prior, I think that we have become just so numb to it. And I think you know, that's the case, too, with, like, the whole Oscar slap with Will Smith. I think we've gotten to a point where we are increasingly upping the ante, but is it really that surprising that a big entitled actor decided to go after somebody else because of a joke. I mean, as, as much as everybody paints it as such a shocking portrayal, it almost seems like that's just where we are. Like there, there's nothing. I don't, I think we're so desensitized to things anymore that none yeah. of it's really that surprising. 
Yes, I agree. I agree. And it shouldn't be that way. No. We should feel, <laughs> we should feel, we should be shocked, especially what's happened in the past few weeks. So, you know, people are starting, I, I hope, are starting to wake up and realize the direction that we're going in and how it's hurting and how scary it can be. Just so scary. You know, my my 16-year-old stepdaughter is pretty active. She she has an activist within her. And and my wife and I, too, we're we're really into issues. And I went in downtown Kansas City last night to a rally, um, an abortion rights rally, and marched with probably at least 200 people. And it was loud. And we went through downtown on a big loop. And I was very surprised, not overly, but... I've been and I've seen some rallies like that before. Everybody was overwhelmingly happy to see that happening. Like just looking at people's faces going by, I think there's a level of us that are really frightened by the rights that are getting ready to get stripped and that have been stripped from us as human beings. Yes, and the reason behind it is is even more mind-blowing, the motivation. The motivation behind wanting to do this to to uh, you, these groups of people in our society is mind-blowing. It, 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 it leaves me speechless sometimes. I grew up, I was born and raised Catholic, but luckily I had the kind of parents that did not, how can I say this? I, you know, I just, I, I get very, very passionate when I do, I lose my words. <laughs> the writer loses her words. Um, <laughs> I, they did not raise us to be uh, uh, prejudiced or to look at groups of people differently than ourselves. Even though they were, they were quote-unquote, Christian, Catholic, they didn't view things like that. So we grew up, you know, LGBTQ community. Okay, fine, you know. I mean, that, that didn't, it didn't make, like, any kind of negative impact on us. Uh, people of color didn't make any kind of, negative, you know, impact on us. So I was able to, even though I was being brought up that way, I was able to express myself and then, and also form my own opinion about who I want to be and the things that uh, I want to also instill into my children when they were born. So I, I had that luxury and I call it a luxury because there's so many people that are brought up in such a narrow-minded, in-the-box, can't think out of it, can't see anything else other than, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but other than that very, very, very old book that everybody seems to put so much stock into. And everybody also has their own interpretation, too, which really blows my mind. People find things and say things about what's in there, and you go look, and it's not in there. So they're creating new from what they, they, they just want it to make it fit. And that scares me. And that scares me for my children, my grandchild, my friends, the rest of my family. It's just, it's very, very scary. I agree. I, I, I 100% agree. So let's kind of go back in time here and Get to the beginnings of your life. Where were you born or raised? How did you get this motivation and this love of writing? Uh, I was actually born in Queens, New York, but I was uh, moved to Floral Park, New York, which is more Long Island, uh, when I was about eight or nine. Uh, 
So that for me was a very impressionable time. And if somebody says to me, where are you from? I'll say Floral Park, New York. Yeah, it's funny. My dad was actually born in Brooklyn and raised in Long Island. He was up in uh, Massapequa. Oh, okay. My dad was born in Brooklyn, too. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird how my I, my dad passed in 08, but it's like the more I interview and talk to people, whether it's musicians or authors or creative people, it's like there's always this this like gravity center that goes back to Brooklyn for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like we're people... People who I find that are are creative, like you say, in the music industry, the writing industry, it it seems to all stem back, and I, I to that to to Brooklyn, to New York, in the city, you know, around there, and I and I don't I don't know why, <laughs> but I meet more and more people, like you said, that that's where they either they're from there or their families from there. Absolutely. So how did this love of writing begin for you? I was about 13, and they were having a, a kind of like a citywide contest with all the schools, and we had to write our own story and construct the book. So we had to sew it, you know, create the, the cover and everything. And my dad actually helped me with a, a couple of little drawings within the book because I can't draw. I couldn't draw to save my life. Like stick, stick people are, are not even on my list, but... So I did it, and the process, just the whole idea of creating this, I fell in love with it. So I started writing things like little short stories and poems. And um, when I was about, we were, I was about 15, when my dad decided to move us to California because the work industry, he worked for a company called Rheingold Beer. And they were closing. And he looked at it as an opportunity because he had seen California when he came out of the Korean War. He was stationed there. And he always kind of wanted to go back. And his family actually moved there, his sisters. So when we moved, I felt so alienated, like like I walked into a different on a different planet going from East Coast to West Coast. And so I started to write even more. But I would put it away. I would save it for me. I just put it in boxes. And it wasn't until years and years later, after I'd been married, my kids were in their teens, they're the ones who actually pushed me to start sending stuff and submitting it. So I was writing for a long time. I just never did anything with it. But what was the first story that you wrote? When, when, <laughs> when was it? And, and, and what was it about that made you feel like, this is really good. This is something that I can work with. Okay, so you're not talking about what I wrote when I was 13. You're talking more of when I was an adult and wrote my first maybe paranormal. Yeah, I, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I, when I when I think about whether it's music or writing or anything or someone that's a painter, it's like there's that moment, that flashpoint where you kind of graduate from. Well, I'm just kind of messing around. I'm gonna kind of, I'm tr- I'm just trying to kind of see where I'm at. Where you really were like, wow, this is good. You could pull yourself almost out of body and say, I, I agree with this. Actually, it was after my first novel was was um, published, which was not paranormal. I had had two children's books, and I wrote this one in particular. It's a historical um, book, and it takes place during World War One. And I wrote it. I wrote it for a reason. I just had something to to say. But when I was done, 
uh, the editor that I had gotten had uh, formed a good relationship with had actually suggested I go into YA. And because of my family background, uh, the like the paranormal, I say we're sensitive, it just seemed like a, a natural progression for me. So I wrote what was called The Dust Chronicles, and it was actually a series of novellas. And after it was all done, um, that's pretty much when I gained my confidence. Because when I saw that finished book based off of something that I could relate to, that was a part of me, I got that fire. And I knew at that time that there was no turning back. Someone said to me, well, don't you want to retire, you know, eventually? And I'm like, retire? I can't retire. My brain, my brain is always going. There's always things going on in there for stories. I have to get it out. So that would be the moment, though. When, when I wrote that, The Dust Chronicles, that was the thing that made me go, huh, I can do this. And then started with the rest of the books. So speaking of a flat point, you know, we all have that moment with a book or something, album, something along those lines. But for our purposes, a book. What was the book that, that really just kind of opened your eyes? Maybe you go back to something that you really think about was really seminal in your development. Are you talking about something I wrote or something I read? Something you read. Wow. God, I read so many different things. It's hard for me to pick just one because I always read very um, paranormal-based books. I mean, not saying I didn't read any of the classics, but those are the ones that really made the, the biggest impact on me. There is one. It's really silly, too, but it always sticks out in my mind, and I don't know why. It's called It's Alive, okay? <laughs> the idea is... There's a baby, and the baby's born with, like, claws. And the baby's a killer. Like, the baby literally gets out of the carriage, crawls around, and kills people, you know, when they're sleeping. And for some reason, this ridiculous book stayed in my mind, and that kind of pushed me to um, to be able to open up to more of that type of writing, that type of good and evil. So, I know it's bizarre, but uh, no, 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 no. I think it's great. I think I think that's that's the thing about life is that there are these moments that they just open up doors, and that's obviously a door that you opened up. That's been a pretty big portal for you to do what you do. So, mm-hmm. um, what about heroes? Who would you consider heroes for you? An author that I have followed now for probably thirty years, and I just love everything about his writing, but I also love the journey it took him to get where he is. And it also gave me courage and strength because, you know, just like somebody in the music business, it's it's so funny when people say overnight successes, you know. They were an overnight success. Yeah, 20 years later. You know, so his journey was not an easy one, and it like, gave me hope to keep going and to just have patience and to look at things that, okay, when the time is right, when I'm more seasoned or, you know, I'm going to meet that right person and things are going to click for me. And so he's he's definitely my hero. As far as a hero just all around in my life, 
you know, for everything, always my dad, always. Why is that? Because my dad was always the type of father who he he knew how to to let's say rule the roost, you know, when your kids and your teens and everything with compassion and with understanding. Sure, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, once in a while he would get angry or upset and, and, you know, and tell you why and what's going on. But it was, it was in such a way that it was always met with an explanation. It was always met with um, you not, not walking away going, oh, God, I, just, I, can't, I, can't, I made him upset. With you walking away going, okay, I understand what's going on now. And he's always been, or he always was, I lost him nine years ago, but he was always like the biggest fan club, <laughs> you know, any kind of, any type of book. My mom was, was very supportive, but my dad was the one who would actually read the books. And also for his music influence, because there were times where things were not going well, and just being able to hear him play, Thing, you know, sit down with him. It, it was peaceful. So there was just all these things in my life that he gave to my life that would definitely make him my absolute hero. So you had the chance to win an award for a script. Um, what was that like? Um, it was the best American Two awards award. now. Two awards. Cool. Yeah. What, was, what, what does that feel like? You know, I, I have to tell you, it's mind-blowing for the fact that I really did not have a lot of confidence in this. I did it because I really am trying to get, how can I, um, I'm really trying to draw attention to uh, the transgender, especially teen community. And it's because of someone who's very, very close to me. Um, and I just wanted them to have something that they could relate to. And the way I could do that was, with my writing. But after I got, the last book will be coming out in September, and people are like, oh, is this going to be a movie? Is this going to be, you know, you're going to make, I'd love to see this. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try and see what happens. And uh, luckily for me, I was directed towards uh, my cousin who used to be an actor for many years. Um, he, he introduced me to someone who was able to mentor me and teach me how to actually write the, the screenplay. And he suggested the short to start off because, like he said, it's easier to write 25 pages than it is to write 120, you know. Um, so when it won the first time, the first award, I honestly, I checked it probably five times. And then again the next day because I kept feeling like, okay, I'm looking at this, but this isn't real and it's going to go away. So... So periodically, I kept checking to make sure that it still was there. It's an indescribable feeling. It really is. So, you know, now that we're kind of waking up, the world's waking up, you know, there's restrictions that are eased and things are kind of getting anew a little bit. If we speak in a few years from now, what are you looking forward to see happen? What, what, what are you excited about? I'm excited. Um, I'm really excited about the Alex McKenna series hopefully one day coming into feature length. And the reason I'm excited about that is because I feel like that would be a broader range of 
of um, reaching people, to understand the character, to understand why the character was written, to understand why it's so important to strip away the um, the doubt, the fear that other people have, and to understand why and who who they are. Of everybody alive on the planet right now, who would you love to meet? <laughs> Dean Coach. <laughs> I figured. I didn't want to. I didn't want to assume anything. I have a letter from him, though. I actually oh, cool. wrote to him after the first book was out, and I sent him a copy. And I sent him a copy as a thank you. Thank you for for you know not only giving me great joy with your work, but also giving me um, the ability to be able to keep going. Even though he doesn't know me, he doesn't know how he touched on my life, I wanted to thank him. Several months later, I did get a book from him signed and a handwritten letter. And just the idea that I knew that this, my book made it to him and it actually was in his hands. And he actually took the time to write this letter and send this to me. Let me put it to you this way. When it came in the package, I opened it up, and the book and the letter were in, like, clear plastic. And I looked at it, and I could tell it was a handwritten letter, and I didn't open it up for a very long time. And my husband kept saying to me, when are you going to open that? Because I was, like, crying. I was like, oh, my God, look. Um, I couldn't do it because the emotions and everything were so just crashing in on me, I couldn't actually read the letter i totally get it um so i got a question if you have a dream tonight and you run into your younger version like you know in your 20s young you know just having that fire of getting out there and doing things and you could give yourself advice on what you've learned throughout all of these years what would you tell your younger version have the confidence to start it now don't wait don't don't wait 20 more years because that's what i did it's okay to do it now. Start it now. Everyone has a perception or an idea of you, a, a, their, their notion of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans. But ultimately, you live your life. You have a perception of yourself. Who do you think you are? I think I'm, and it will always be, a mom, a wife, a sister, an aunt. I will always be family first. So I see myself as all of those things, and then I just happen to write. I just happen to do, like, you know, be an author, because that, that, that's my way of expressing myself. But I will always see myself as just someone who lives on the block. <laughs> Their best times is getting together with family, and this is what they do. Other than the letter that you got from Dean Koontz, what would you consider one of your best fan responses, best fan letter that you've ever gotten back? It's actually not a letter. It's somebody who came to see me. So I was at a signing, like, say, oh, two years ago. And someone approached me, and she said, you know, um, I, I just, I really want to write a book, and... Um, but, you know, I don't know how to go about doing it. And so we sat, and she stayed by me, and we talked for a while, and I tried to, you know, explain everything and, and encourage her. Fast forward two years later, I'm at a book signing, and she comes up to me, 
and she has bookmarks and stuff, and she says, I just want you to know that you're the reason that my book is now out there on Amazon. She goes, you gave me the courage to go ahead and do it. Thank you, thank you so much. That's wonderful. So if anyone wants to know about you and your events coming up, they want to buy any of your books, anything related to you and your world, where's the best place for them to go out on the webs? Actually, probably my website, which is just altogether, com. I say altogether because there is a hyphen between Vicky and Anne in my name. So people get confused when they go look for the website. There is no hyphen in the website. It's just all in one. Vicki, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for taking a minute out. It's been wonderful to get to know you, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. It was fun. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.